0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: That is one good thing about this world. There are always sure to be more springs... You're listening to AMI Audiobook Review on AMI-audio. Thanks for joining us on this weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks, starting with a quote. And we are, of course, featuring quotes uh, in April that are springy, spring and new beginnings because it's such a nice vibe. I just love that spring comes around only once a year. I'm not saying it's my favorite season, but it's getting there. It just feels so uh, refreshing. This quote is from Anne of Avon Lee by Ellen Montgomery. Lucy Montgomery. Uh, so this is, of course, from the Anne of Green Gables series. If you were a fan like I was, uh, then the the quote itself will kind of give you that, oh... That's nice. This sounds like something Anne would say. Well, it definitely was something that Anne said <laughs> in the series. Uh, Nisreen, coming over to you, did you ever read the Anne of Green Gables series or were you ever into it? Because it, it was trending regardless of whether you read it or not.
2: I haven't. I haven't gotten the chance to, but I'm curious.
1: I mean, Anne of Green Gables, of course, Canadian staple, right? PEI-based uh, and just the... I think it's more the energy that Anne brings to us uh, when you're flipping through Anne of Green Gables books or hearing it like the story that it is. It is, you feel like you're going back to childhood. Um, the descriptions, the places, the the small town feel, the transitions and transformations that you get to go through with Anne herself, Anne with an E. I think it's just something to marvel uh, because even if you've read it, I don't. I would just say the first book is my favorite because that's the book that takes you to the beginning. The beginning of Anne, the beginning of um, having the family, going through school. And her personality comes out in the first book. And then after that, you just, you you get attached or you don't. But I got attached. Um, but it is something to explore for sure. I know there was the TV shows and now there's the legit, like, real life Anne On CBC and uh, Netflix. So you get to explore it in all these different ways. But the imagination of the books is um, uncomparable to anything else out there. So big shout out to Lucy Montgomery. So – Moving on, let's look at the SELA homepage right now. We like to check out the featured titles, uh, three of them at the very top. The first one is Daughters of the Deer by Danielle Daniel. This is a historical fiction, and we checked it out last week on the podcast. The next one is Run Towards the Danger by Sarah Pauli: Family and relationship category, this one. And the third one in featured is Moon Witch spider king by marlon james and this is a fantasy title all right nizreen you have what's trending so what's going on in the book uh the audiobook world
2: so i have two things to mention starting off with audiobooks.com releasing this week's hottest releases so i wanna i wanna list down five the top five books so we start off with the sea of tranquility by emily st john mandel The Candy House by Jennifer Egan, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmis, again, Rachel by Marianne Keyes, and the last one I'll mention is Idiots, Marriage, Money, Milk, and Mistakes by Laura Clary. The second thing I want to mention is audiobooks.com also tweeted out about their spring sale, $7 or less, and the sale starts now and is until April 17th. There is a great selection here. So there's Pieces of Her by Karen Slaughter. Own the Day, Own Your Life, Optimize Practices for Waking, Working, Learning, Eating, Training, Playing, Sleeping, and Sex by Aubrey Marcus. And next we have You Don't Know Me by Sarah Foster. And finally, Nowhere to Run by CJ Box. And if you want to know the rest, uh, there's there's so much to look into the sale. Again, $7 or less. That's great prices here on audiobooks.com. Check that out. Ramya, I would like to know, mm-hmm. how much are you willing to spend on audiobooks or books in general?
1: Okay, so um, you may or may not already know that I'm an Audible member. <gasps> Big surprise. Uh, so <laughs> I do spend the monthly membership cost on Audible. Now I am quite stubborn and I still haven't moved to Audible.ca. This is a bit of a side note tangent. Um, I'm still with audiobooks or audiobooks, Audible.com and not wanting to move over to the CA platform. I don't know what it is at this point that I'm holding on to. I think both platforms are quite similar. Um, but anyway so I'm willing to put in that monthly. Now, whenever there's sale prices like this, I think of our friend Ryan Huey who joined us a while ago uh, because he is a big sale guy. Like whenever there's sales, uh, he is so vocal about spending that extra. Me, not so much. I wait for the two for one credits on <laughs> Audible where, where they Good give for members me. the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm already paying for the one credit. So, you know, but... I also double up on audiobooks by signing up for the accessible platforms like SELA uh, and the Toronto Public Library. So mm-hmm. wherever I can get my audiobooks, I, I do and I will. But there is the odd time where I would listen to a narrator from the library or from SELA, so where you get the, the books for free, and then think... I'm going to spend my credit, my Audible credit on this book because I love the production or I love the sample with the narrator that uh, Audible used. Or I just love the the production value, you know, the clear, the crisp, the Mm -hmm. um, way to speed up. So if there is ever a choice of quality or something that's not Um, available on something else that is for free, or the waiting list is long on the Toronto Public Library and it's not available on SELA, then yes, I'll spend the extra money. But I'm privileged to say that right now we have our choices, Nizreen. So we don't exactly have to spend the money or exactly have to uh, wait two months for an audiobook that you want to read right now. You do have the choices, which is nice.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I love how you thought it through. Like you thought it all the way through. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I thought about it too, and I was just wondering. I like the sales so much. I'm the type of person that likes sales, and especially when it comes to books, where Shopping's for me, beef. I just, I just think, yeah, I know. I just think about you know I'm only gonna read it once or listen to it once. Like, I, there's mm. it's very there's a slim chance that I'm gonna go back to this book very slim chance so I'm thinking how much am I willing to spend on a one-time read and I'm thinking I wouldn't spend over $15 or so or like okay I'm just saying the 20s yeah exactly and I would pay the membership fee no more than that okay I mean unless it's an amazing audiobook I don't see myself paying more than that. I'm just the stubborn type where I'm like, I'm just going to read it once. What, what do I need um, yeah. to spend this much on an audiobook?
1: And ownership is very different when you're, when you're not purchasing hardcovers and softcovers and actual physical copies of books, right? Like we're paying for memberships and we own, we have the book in our library. That's what we paid mm-hmm. for. But it's not the same as owning your copy of a book physically mm. so definitely like when you're borrowing from sila borrowing from libraries or borrowing from nels you're borrowing you're giving that book back so that's great that we have the access for it but if you want to keep that book because you love harry potter so much and you want to read it over and over and over again mm, yeah that's you that's maybe you. your favorite there's no one else oh, like just me <laughs> This is AMI Audiobook Review, where we love discussing audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramya Amuddin. I'm also here, joined by Nisreen Abdel-Majid, and we'll get to our special guest in a bit. But let's start with a pause or a play. Um, this is a book that is from the CELA Library homepage, one of their featured titles at the moment. Uh, you can go to celalibrary.ca to get all of the details on the book. So... Run Towards the Danger by Sarah Pauly. is a family and relationships category. Let's explore it by reading the synopsis. Sarah Pauly's Run Towards the Danger explores memory and the dialogue between her past and her present. These are the most dangerous stories of my life. The ones that I've avoided, the ones I haven't told, the ones that have kept me awake on countless nights. As these stories find echoes in my adult life, and then went another better way than they did in childhood, they became lighter and easier to carry. There are six essays in this collection, and each one captures a piece of Polly's life as she remembers it, while at the same time examining the fallibility of memory, the mutability of reality in the mind, and the possibility of experiencing the past anew, as the person you are now, but were not then. Polly contemplates stories from her own life, ranging from stage fright to high risk childbirth to endangerment and more. Rather than live in a protective crouch, she had to run towards the danger. Sarah Polly explores what it is to live in one's body in a constant state of becoming, learning, and changing. So here we go around the table as we do always to press pause or play. Nizreen coming to you first. What do you think of the title?
2: Uh, honestly, I'm confused at this point. I <laughs> there's a lot to grasp here, so I'm I'm confused about what it's all about. I'm curious at the same time. Like I'm into it. I'm invested. So I'm gonna I'm gonna press play. Give it a oh give it a okay.
1: Go. Wow, it's so a switch up. I thought you were definitely going to press pause when you started with them confused." Okay, going around the table to Mike. Uh, Mike, your thoughts: pause or play on this title?
0: I would probably investigate something like that. I'd press play. Uh, it's definitely it's a memoir of sorts, and uh, so that that can always be interesting. It sounds like she's had quite a an interesting life, and mm. uh, that that could be uh, that could be worth checking out.
1: Right. I agree. I think I'd press play on this one. Um, I totally feel I can empathize with the confusion in a way, uh, because Nizreen, I definitely had to read the synopsis multiple times. Uh, in order to understand exactly what's going mm-hmm. on with the sentence structure, specifically the way that it's written, the the literary um, approach. So, you know, it's the first time you're hearing it, so you're like, huh? But I, I would press play because I'm curious about this psychological effect in general. So this is Run Towards the Danger by Sarah Polly. Again, you can check it out on the SELA homepage if you want to go take a quick look. So you heard... The voice of our guest today, Uh, we love to check in with audiobook listeners, avid audiobook listeners here on the show, opening up the space to review, discuss, recommend, browse, conceptualize, and reminisce on audiobooks. Michael Fair, our guest for today, is uh, an audiobook fan and an overall audio entertainment fan as well. He's also the tech expert who joins us weekly on Kellyanne Company on AMI-audio. Welcome to the show, Mike. Lots of questions for you.
0: Thanks. Well, Happy to be here.
1: So do you have a memory of when you first started to discover audio? Because you're a Braille user as well, Mike. Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, what about audio got you
0: so wrapped in? Well, what really started it was how bulky Braille is. You know, you look at a... At a, a rest, <laughs> good you know, a reason pocket, as any. You know, that Braille is thick and heavy and huge at times. Like you want a, a stone angel. There's a, a prime example of a ghastly book to read uh and you know one volume of that that book is something like six volumes in braille thin ones thankfully but still you know one of them was enough to put me to sleep six times in a weekend so you know do you want to have a whole house full of braille and nothing but just to have the same kind of variety or do you spend the money on on audiobooks at the time of course i didn't have a braille display so it was, it was a kind of a no-brainer. I, uh, that was one thing that just plunged me into Audible books. And of course the CNIB had talking books uh, before SILA sort of became what we know today. The CNIB, it, it grew out of the CNIB library and uh, they did all the digital, the narration, the digital work. And I would get these cassettes in the mail as a kid and they'd be in these big thick pouches and you'd open up the pouch and you'd hope all the cassettes were there. And you hope the tape wouldn't get eaten by a rogue tape recording machine uh, <laughs> as you listen to it. Uh, so I've, I've been listening to books for just as even longer than I've been reading them. Uh, so audio and I go way back. And then, of course, when Audible came on the scene, uh, that was just, wow. All of a sudden, all of these books, I didn't have to wait for someone to think, Oh, let's make this book accessible. It was just there, and I could pay the same amount of money as a sighted person to get my hands on it, yep. and that was that was amazing. That was
1: equitable that was like access. Up the
0: world, Audible does a good job of, of making their app accessible, and they really did that since the beginning. Uh, you know, the, the early days with with uh, Windows and stuff. When I first got into Audible, they had their Audible Manager that was accessible uh, back on exactly. the computer, and of course now on the phone. God, the amount of books you can store in a pocket is just stunning. And see, these that's days. the
1: question I had for you next, which is, you know, are there favorite platforms or does it really depend on who you are as an individual? I'm not talking stats, but just the fact that there's so much choice out there now, right? Me and Nazreen talked about this a, a couple of minutes ago and then uh, audiobooks.com and Big Finish Audio, you know, even just beyond audiobooks, just audio entertainment. Well, there's people doing this yeah. so well.
0: Well, the thing was, yeah, now Audible is at a point where there's so much audio entertainment beyond books that even if you got all your books elsewhere, I would say it's still worth getting an Audible membership to tap into what Audible makes available entertainment wise. Uh, so they, they really have it all. Like Everything eventually pretty much gets to Audible. Just what you find is platforms like Big Finish and uh, some of the others, the LHS, Lovecraft History, Historical Society, uh, the... Uh, graphicaudio.net they ex- have a period of exclusivity before that happens before it goes to audible where they're the ones because they make those dramas they get first crack right so there's that period of, of where you can't find it on audible but you can get it from these other platforms so if you're patient you can wait uh, and eventually all will come to audible and you can just get you know use your credits <laughs> on them uh, right but then once you can credits yeah, it, it can be. And that can be kind of advantageous for, you know, people less technically skilled. Uh, you know, you only have to learn one place and such. There are advantages. Uh, but I would, I would just assume browse around and take advantage of all the different places.
1: Do you have a prediction of what might be the next big audio trend. So I'm talking about things like, you know, when full cast audio production became a thing where you had multiple narrators or this whole thing right now where um, celebrities are narrating their own memoirs and uh, authors are um, narrating their own audiobooks, that kind of thing. Do you feel like there's something else in the works that is becoming something? Uh,
0: I'm not really sure. Certainly there's more, you've got, Uh, audible kind of monopolizing this market and pulling everything there so you know that that kind of domination it's going to take something pretty spectacular to undo that and i don't know what's left i mean we have 3d audio where you have uh things like uh, impact winter and other dramas that i've covered in full 3d sound uh that totally immerses you you have Old, older school kind of audio dramas that go way back to the 30s, uh, you know, same kind of techniques, much better sound, right? So that is is present. Uh, basically, the, you've got full-length books that graphic audio does, and they basically take a whole book and give you all the words. You don't miss out on any of the words because it's all narrated. Mm. And then they add in performance, like in movie music and everything else. So you get the full, like if you ever wondered what a, a book would sound like, dramatized fully that's where you go to find out so i'm not really sure what's left to do it, it, you know there's always room for improvement in technique and i think we'll certainly see that but i don't know what's left to explore other than of course higher quality sound like you might there might be for example dolby atmos uh, perhaps that will happen uh, more than it already you already sort of have surround sound in in some things but maybe it'll spread more as data storage costs and everything else go down, production mm-hmm. techniques advance, so it's less costly to add uh, sound effects of that caliber. Uh, that could happen.
1: Yeah, because there's there's so many different elements, right? It's not just the production; it's also the technological value of certain things, and the user base that's going to be taking part in this type of entertainment, and how that's growing. And then there's the marketing aspect, and then there's the uh, the copyright and what you have access to uh, as Audible or whoever else, like, you know, X platform. Um, But that's really interesting, Mike. It's nice to talk to you on that level of technology as well when it comes to audio entertainment. So I want to move on to recommendations um, because you're going through, I don't know, would you call it a phase right now? Or just in general, you love these short (laughs) stories. Short stories. stories.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Boy, you got your barking backwards and language shit. I know what it just happened. And, and, and um, rewind, yeah. Billables. Short
1: yeah. stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. The, the, you know, it, this pandemic. I mean, it's getting kind of heavy at points, and sometimes you don't want you, you, a novel seems too big. You want something smaller. You want something that you can just pass some time and not get, not have to stop and be left hanging necessarily. Uh, and short stories are great for that. Uh, you know, and I like it even better when the authors take the time to give you notes on where the ideas of the short stories come from. That can be absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, Ted Chang is one of the, the authors I highly recommend. You can get his books on Audible, of course, and they better be in SELA. Th- those are amazing books. He writes exquisitely well-structured short stories, you know, I'm thinking of, of one in, well, the one in Stories of Your Life and Others that, w- that became a, a blockbuster movie was called Arrival. And it basically looks at what happens when, if you knew that you couldn't change anything in your life, if you knew right. there was no such thing as free will, and that time is not like we look at time in a linear way. But this book posits that, you know, aliens arrive, they have a language, and learning that language part of it is learning about a different perception of time. And all of a sudden, you know, the future, your whole future, right? And you can't change it. Is life still worth living without free will? You know, Mm -hmm. fascinating topics. Uh, There was another book he did called Exhalation, his second collection of stories, another fascinating book. He did a story in that one about basically the uh, African tribe that, suddenly is faced with the introduction of writing missionaries come to stay with them and they have this thing called writing and what is it what does it do how does it affect how you think right because their tradition was oral they did everything audibly right passed down stories from generation to generation was Mm -hmm. all done audibly so what happens when things get fixed in writing and your words get fixed And ideas get written down. What does that do? And then juxtapose that with a future, with a father and daughter in a relationship. And he is coming to terms with a new technology called REMEM that basically records your every waking moment of life and all your experiences. And you can look back at any time in the future and go, oh, that's what really happened, right? So there's none of these arguments about, well, you said this, right? You said that and you said this, that's why I did this. Yeah, you can look back and find out who said what for real. And and there's no arguing because there's usually a lot of recordings from a lot of different, if there are anyone around, then, you know, it's their recording too, right? So you always have verification, right? So what do you do? What does that do to relationships? What does that do to your conception of yourself in memory, if you cannot forget, right? So is all his
1: writing themed around this kind of thing, like the uh, philosophical dystopian?
0: The the it's the implicate and it's not always uh, dystopian I would say but it's it's how how these technologies might affect us what thinking might they open like if you right. uh, can communicate with a self in another universe in a parallel universe but only for so long before that communication runs out what do you ask wow. your parallel self what do you do what about choices because every time you make a choice. Your parallel self might make another choice. It's a similar universe, but it's not exactly like our universe, right? So what differences, mm-hmm. what small differences might change history?
1: Yeah, and it's not exactly fantasy. It's like you can get there from where we are now.
0: Yeah, exactly. The type of writing. That's what he excels at. Robert J. Sawyer mm-hmm. is another case in point. He does, he's got his three, his full collections of short story in three books, uh, Space, Earth, and Time are the three volumes and you can get them on Kindle very cheaply. And they they should be on audible and other places as well. And there is complete repertoire of short stories that he's written. He does really sort of optimistic science fiction. So Mm -hmm. you don't often get the doom and gloom that you get like from Jurassic park or something like that, where invariably, the hubris of people you know things go horribly wrong and and the dinosaurs eat you uh he does he kind of looks at at the good side how things might work out better or different twists on things like uh he did lots of different stories that uh, are well worth getting very optimistic writer actually his books are on audible now the www trilogy uh wake watch and wonder uh, about a blind girl that can see through the internet and can actually sees the internet come alive and become aware. And there's sort of an artificial intelligence online that's starting to actually think and react to things. You know, it's fascinating.
1: (laughs) I mean, I got to say, we have to wrap in a second, but I just wanted to say that there is so many elements of fantasy that I used to just kind of ignore, or it would, you know, bypass my, consciousness because I'm like if it's fantasy I don't think I'd be into it but these kind of you know hybrid models of uh bringing in a fantasy but taking our realities and saying but what if you could intertwine these and then make a new Reality out of all that uh, is just a fascinating thing to think about. Mike, thanks for the recommendations. This is awesome. We have to get you back on to to keep talking short stories.
0: Oh yes, there's there's lots more where that came from. Uh, Starless Sea by Aaron Morgan. I'm it, it, in it, the middle of that it's, right now. It's, it's a novel that that is uh, built on stories and fascinating exactly. <laughs> Charles' a library outside the one.
1: universe of libraries. <laughs>
0: Yep, that's such a great yeah
1: Aaron Morgenstern thanks Mike we'll talk books. to you soon
0: all righty a pleasure
1: that's the thing with Mike Fair he's just so always reading something listening to <laughs> something so there's a gazillion things to always talk about you can catch him on Kelly and Company weekdays um, from 2 to 4 p.m. but Mike Fair's segment on Thursdays uh, for where he talks all things audio audio entertainment and technology That's it for our episode of AMI Audiobook Review. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, happy audiobook listening.
0: This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.
1: Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us